Listener Production. US stocks lift for a second day on the back of better than expected inflation figures. And Aussie shares expected to continue their winning streak on Friday after a decent night on Wall Street. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Friday, the 14th of July. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Look, for the second night in a row, we have seen better inflation numbers. Uh, last night in the US, it was producer inflation. It's probably the bridesmaid when it comes to inflation figures. But when you talk about upstream inflation, uh, this is where you go to look at the numbers. So by upstream, you know, before it gets to the consumer, at the factory level, uh, producer inflation is so important, isn't it, Ryan? It is. And we saw producer prices lift by a meagre 0.1% in the month of June. And if you look at the headline number, Tom, the annualised growth rate was just 0.1%. As we discussed yesterday, there is a base effect yep. playing out here when you compare the heightened numbers from a year ago. But it was the smallest year-on-year rise since August 2020. So everyone's getting quite fizzed up about the prospect of disinflation. We see normalising global supply chains, stabilising commodity prices, a broader shift in consumer demand towards services and away from goods. And that's generally helped alleviate inflationary pressures at the producer level. So that dance with stocks and bonds continued last night and um, it was getting some na- nice scores. If it was a couple on Dancing with the Stars, it'd be doing quite well, Ryan, because <laughs> uh, bond yields fell considerably last night. Uh, we had a 10-year bond down by about 10 basis points, two-year bonds down by 11 basis points. So in interest rate land, that is a very substantial move lower. What it means is that the interest rate markets are pricing out the likelihood of medium-term rate hikes. And as a result, and intuitively, we saw an improvement where the stocks were concerned. The more interest rate-sensitive technology stocks, the NASDAQ was up 1.6%. The broader market, the S&P 500, was up by around 0.9%. The Dow Jones was up by around 0.1%. Now, Ryan, you make a very good point about the base effects. And you know, if you pull out in terms of the view... Uh, it is one of the reasons why inflation has got such a long tail. Because if we fast forwarded 12 months, we are comparing numbers uh, which have fallen a lot. So next year, you need to move the needle quite a bit in terms of the inflationary gains to be able to make an impact. And this is part of that dynamic which keeps inflation elevated over the medium term. Would you agree with that? I would agree, Tom. So if you look at the US consumer price index situation, in order to keep those annualised rates contained at, say, 3% to 4%, which we saw in the previous day, we need to see monthly gains of just 0.2%. And we do know that all prices are lifting at the moment, for example. We'll talk about that a bit later. But importantly, the producer price data has some inputs that feed into the US Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation, the personal consumption (laughs) expenditure measure, which I love to say, the PCE. And that low PPI number, the producer price number, will likely bring down the core PCE reading. So that's important. The treasury market, bond market factored that in. And the expectations around interest rate hikes now are at 30 basis points. So that means that we're definitely probably going to get one at the end of this month, another 25 basis points. But markets are very uncertain about the future after that. Again, just pulling out for context, in terms of the mindset uh, of the market. We have traveled quite a way over the course of the, the last couple of months. There was, you know, from time to time, heightened anxiety about 
um, inflationary issues, the the rhetoric from the central bank being aggressive with their their rate hikes, we have swung into a different space now. It talks to the point about you know being either too bearish or too bullish um, in 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 different circumstances. We seem to be swinging into a slightly more bullish state now. So you know you always have to be very sober and clear-eyed about these sorts of things because in this type of market, things can slip from your grasp quite quickly in terms of your thinking. They can, absolutely. And we've got the earnings season ahead. And what we did see last night was a couple of results. So what the results pointed to was continued resilience when it comes to the consumer. So what's pleasing at the moment is we are seeing inflation ease, but also the labour market remain resilient, which isn't so great from a wages and inflation perspective, but what it means is people are in jobs and they're still spending. And PepsiCo shares advanced 2.4% after the company raises annual revenue and profit forecast. So that was really the first company to kick off the June quarter reporting season. We also heard from Delta Airlines, it shares slid 0.5%, but that's despite the fact that it lifted its full year profit outlook. And we've got the post-pandemic travel boom underway, Tom. So Broadly, we are seeing consumer shares or related shares performing quite well. Amazon.com shares gained 2.7% after reporting record sales during, during its Prime Day event. So you then add on what happened in Europe, Tom. Yes. The watches. You're well, all over that one. No, well, look, I just quickly wanted to reflect on the airlines. So Delta doing quite well because of the uh, overseas travel component of their business. And interesting to note, you know, that the massive divergence between operators in terms of the way that they're leveraging the circumstances. So in, in local terms, you've got the new entrant into the market, Bonza, struggling a little bit. They're pulling back on uh, their schedule. But then at the same time, Allianz, uh, aviation was one of the better improvers yesterday. It was up by about 14% because it upgraded its earnings guidance. It's got new funding that's going to expand its fleet. You might recall, Ryan, this is the organization that Qantas was trying to make a tilt at unsuccessfully because the ACCC- Does it have a relationship with Virgin regionally, I think? I'm actually not terribly sure about that. I think they lease most of their aircraft out to Qantas. So right. Qantas almost saw it as some vertical integration and it made quite a lot of sense. Didn't make sense from the ACCC's perspective and that's why the um, share price fell by about 24% since the early part of April. Yesterday, up by about 14% on the back of the upgrade. So, you know, there are diverging fortunes for different operators. It means that, you know, it's never a tide that lifts all boats. You have to always get in there and, as they say... D-Y-O-R with the kids. Do your own research. Lovely phrase there, Tom. <laughs> now back to the watches yeah, back. in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw Swiss watchmaker Swatch. I'm sure we've all had a Swatch in our time, those little plastic watches that I are multicolored. Yeah. Their shares rallied 6.9% in Europe overnight after reporting higher sales and profit in the first half, driven by a rebound in China, and that propelled its results above pre-pandemic levels. And watches of Switzerland Group soared as the UK's biggest retailer of Rolex watches said demand for luxury timepieces had remained solid despite price increases. Its shares are up 10.8%. So once again, we are seeing the wealthy, those with savings at the moment, still quite content to spend on those luxury goods, Tom. The Rolex watch is almost a currency in itself. You know, like in the old days, you'd sort of, you know, find something that you could sell quickly to get some money. Gold is the best example of that. And should we work our way through the commodity prices. 
Commodities doing quite well, Ryan, and primarily for the fact that we have seen a moderation in that US dollar, closely tied to that fall in long and short-term US interest rates. And that has been a tide that has lifted most commodity prices, Ryan. We saw the Brent crude oil price up by 1.6% to 81.36 US dollars a barrel. Oil prices are broadly at three-month highs at the moment, Tom. So we've seen a bit of a comeback there. Of course, a lot of talk about production cuts from the likes of Saudi Arabia. But what we heard overnight was that oil demand is set to hit a record high this year. And that's according to the International Energy Agency. Demand is expected to reach 102 million barrels per day. And that would be an increase of 220,000 barrels per day. So really, we are seeing some evidence, of course, that the global economy is showing some resilience despite interest rate hikes and higher inflation. But of course, higher oil prices mean higher petrol prices and a bit of inflation. And gold lifted by 0.1% to 1963.80 US dollars an ounce. And iron ore futures rose by 0.3% to 110.95 US dollars a tonne. We saw investors really ignore that weak export data at a top consumer China yesterday. Optimism that Beijing will deliver more economic aid for the property sector. There's noise that Xi Jinping, the president, will boost the private sector economy through a bunch of measures as well. So really, it's all about boosting confidence in China at the moment. But we have seen copper extend gains hitting a three-week high. It was up by 2.3%. So you could see the likes of BHP and Rio Tinto perform very well in Australia today, Tom. We saw their US listed shares up overnight. Indeed. So quickly moving ahead to the local picture today, there's nothing to take one's breath away as far as the the local picture is concerned, Ryan, although the headlines that are just breaking as we sit down to record this podcast, looks like we're going to be writing some best wishes cards. Farewell. Thanks for the memories. Breaking news, Tom. We love breaking news here at Comsex Market Update. Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe, according to the ABC, will not be reappointed as the governor. The cabinet, the Australian government or cabinet, is expected to meet this morning to decide on his replacement with an announcement from Treasurer Jim Chalmers to follow. So a big day in that regard. It's not often that you see a changing of the guard when it comes to the RBA. The appointment um, is going to be interpreted in any number of ways. So I don't think it'll make a difference to the market, will it, Ryan? Well, it depends on who's appointed, I guess. So there are a couple of front runners. We've got Jenny Wilkinson from the Department of Finance, and then you've also uh, got some serious candidates elsewhere. Guy Bell's been mentioned, the former Deputy Governor, and of course, Stephen Kennedy, who's currently at the Department of Treasury. So some front runners there, depends on how they're perceived to be by markets, whether they're dovish or hawkish. And we we saw that last night in the US, James Bullard is stepping down as the St. Louis Federal Reserve President. He's going back to academic life. He's Mm. a hawkish member of the FOMC and and the markets like that. Equities were up. Today it'll be, uh, well, a historic day, nonetheless. You know, you, uh, as I said, the changing of the guard at the central bank doesn't happen very often and it will really come down to the framing of the Reserve Bank's messaging in the first instance. You know, uh, not sure what sort of a statement is going to be made by the uh, incoming governor. The first words uttered by this individual will be very important because they will 
establish the landscape for uh, how we move forward through a pretty important phase of the interest rate cycle. Absolutely. And also this individual will have to implement the findings of the latest review. Yep. So interesting times, Tom. It's going to be interesting day on the back of that. It shall indeed. So just quickly, uh, as I said, not terribly much on the local front in terms of economic news. Further afield, an important day in the United States with the commencement of the US company reporting season. The big banks and financial institutions will mark the beginning of that. We've got figures on important export prices. Again, uh, another a proxy for inflation. And Tom, the Aussie dollar, just to finish off, has jumped from 68.05 US cents to 68.93 US cents and is currently trading around 68.85 cents. So on the back of that weakness in the greenback. Over the course of the last couple of days, it's put on um, more than three US cents. So if you're planning some overseas travel, Ryan, things are looking a little bit better. Absolutely, Tom. It's been a wonderful week to share with you Dear listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.